Welcome again to the Radio Bible Course as we continue our study of the book of Hebrews. I'm reading again from verses 1 through 3. In many and various ways God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp of his nature, upholding the universe by the word of power. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has obtained is more excellent than theirs. It's difficult to leave this passage and not talk more about Jesus. We could talk about him forever, it seems, for he's the greatest person who ever came to this earth. These opening verses in the book of Hebrews, of course, describe Jesus Christ. Jesus is incomparable. As creator, the wind and the waves obeyed his voice. The dead were raised and the blind received sight. So completely did God speak in and through Jesus that he foretold exactly his death and resurrection. The crucifixion, and I say the crucifixion, because although hundreds and perhaps thousands of criminals were nailed to Roman crosses, the death and resurrection of Jesus was different. Jesus was no criminal. He was heaven's only son, and that son was sent to the earth by the Father for a special mission. A sacrificial work on that cross was not a display of useless pageantry. It counted in the courts of heaven, and justice was satisfied. Is this the Jesus you believe in? Is he God the Son, or is he merely a teacher and a healer to you? How dare a man pose as a Savior if he is not divine? Jesus must be God, or he could save no one. Man cannot save man. If this is not the Jesus of your church and your pastor, beware, for any other Jesus is not the one God sent, not the Christ of either the Old or the New Testaments. Just as pagans centuries ago made their own gods, so people today seem to make their own Jesus. But as for me, I don't want a Jesus who doesn't know how man arrived in this world. Don't give me a Jesus who isn't equal to the Father and who cannot bring me to him. I don't need another teacher. I need a Savior who can give me assurance of eternal life because he's the author of it. I can't be comfortable with the Jesus who tells me about heaven if he doesn't know the place himself. The Jesus of the Bible said he lived there, that he came from there, and that he would go back to heaven, and did. This is the Jesus who spoke to Paul from heaven and who waits for the Father to send him back here to us. We are in danger of denying Jesus, the Son of God, by endorsing the pluralism that says all religions are good. 
Good for what? To offer a substitute for a savior? How can they be good if they deny God and the one he has sent? We need to understand that Jesus is not a religious leader. The world has many of those. Jesus is unique. The Old Testament prophets said so. Jesus claimed to be unique. And so do all the New Testament writers. He has no rivals, except false messiahs and gods which are the imagination of men who have been given up by God. Now, I'm sure that there are some listeners who may accuse me of intolerance. If so, I want to correct that conclusion. Belief in the one and only Creator is not intolerance. It is a rejection of false gods. I'm quite willing for men to choose and to practice false religion, but I am not going to approve of those as equally valid. That's toleration without endorsement. The Jesus Christ of the Bible is the Savior of the world, not the prophet of the Western nations. He is not in competition with Mohammed, Buddha, the Reverend Moon, Joseph Smith, or any other of scores of men who claim to have received some message from God. Whatever truth they may have, they borrowed from the revelation of the Creator. The test of truth is agreement with what God has spoken. When a person says nice words about the Old Testament but rejects the promised Christ of that revelation, he's guilty of hypocrisy. We are not deceived by that. Further, to say that Jesus was a good man and a prophet but not the crucified Son of the living God is again hypocrisy. He said he would be crucified, that he would die and be buried, and also rise again. Now, we must not be deceived by the kind of toleration that robs Jesus of his deity and fulfillment of God's prophecies. When verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 1 says that God spoke through his Son, it implies a finality of revelation. Jesus taught Part of the revelation and the Spirit sent by him inspired the remainder of it. It was completed in the first century, after which tongues and prophecy were ended. There was no further need for them. Are there prophets today? Of course not. What could they say that hasn't been said? Is more revelation needed? Or does God have more to say to the world or to the church or even to you personally? Doesn't the Bible have it all? Now, you might want to receive a special message from God, and that might give you a sense of importance. But beware of those who claim to hear a message from the Spirit of God. This is gross superstition. It's make-believe communion, and it's false piety. They can neither prove what they claim, nor can they support such communication by the Bible. Peter wrote this, The word of the Lord endures forever. That fact speaks loudly, and so-called messages which men claim to receive come and go. They aren't the word of the Lord. It endures forever. 
If men believed what Hebrews tells us, they would seek no other revelation, for Jesus is the very radiance of the Father and the perfect impression of God's nature. Can any revelation excel that one? Or what need is there to add to complete perfection, which Jesus is? Look at the Jesus of the Bible and be satisfied with him whom God sent. Are you an evangelical Christian? If you are, you believe that all the fullness of God was in Jesus Christ, that he is unique among men as the world's only God-man, who is the only mediator between God and men. He needed no helper. He has no successor. He completed his work and ascended in triumph into the courts of heaven and sat down. There was nothing more to do for man. Can you accept such a Savior? Christianity has nothing else to offer. He is the doctrine, the message, and the creed of the Christian. It is just as wrong to add words to the revelation of Jesus as it is to add works to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Complete means complete, and nothing can be added without stealing glory from him. I am resting in his sacrificial work, and I am resting in his inspired word. To rest is to be spiritually satisfied and content. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Do you have this kind of a shepherd, Savior? I trust you do, for that's the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus is supreme. In verse 4, we encountered for the first time the word superior, a word which is a clue to the theme of this book. Jesus is superior to everyone and everything in the God-given religion of the Old Testament. The Hebrews, to whom this book was addressed, were struggling with a choice. They were saying, We have come to Jesus, the one of whom the prophets spoke, but we also want Judaism. Well, they wanted both. Why not give them both? Didn't both come from God? The law certainly was given by God, and it came the priesthood, sacrifices, worship, a tabernacle, and later a temple. The law brought days and seasons and years to observe. There were prohibitions also, foods to avoid and regulations to govern behavior in society for peace and order among men. God also prescribed several tithes for the poor and the priesthood. Judaism had been given to Israel by the Creator. It was good, holy, and true. The Hebrews, to whom this book was directed, did not want to abandon that religion of their fathers. Why not? Because they thought of Jesus only as an addition to Judaism, not as a substitute for it. They were victims of religious tradition. Granted, it was God-given tradition, and their initial admiration for Jesus Christ had diminished under the onslaught of Jewish teachers, Jewish culture, and their unique Jewish identity in the world. 
Now, those kinds of pressures in the absence of exhortations concerning God's Christ, who was a fulfillment of all their old religion, resulted in a spiritual condition which I call floundering in the faith. A rescue was needed. Stability needed to be restored. The foundation needed reinforcement. The book of Hebrews provides all these remedies, and for this reason the author writes in chapter 13, verse 22, I appeal to you, brethren, with my word of exhortation. Is Jesus great enough to leave behind all of Judaism? That question begins to get a specific answer in verse 4 with the declaration that the Son of God is superior to the angels. The author's purpose seems evident, and it's this. If I can demonstrate that Jesus is superior to the angels, and then superior to Moses, and if I can show how Jesus is better than Aaron the high priest, and that his sacrifice is superior as his covenant is better than that of Moses, then perhaps these Hebrews will realize that they don't need Judaism any longer. The choice will be easier, for Jesus will be seen as superior. But why compare Jesus with angels? That's where we'll pick up in our program tomorrow, and I hope you'll join us here for this study. If you are thinking of teaching a Bible class, you'll get immense help from our teaching tapes on cassette tapes. This is Bible Exposition, right for a free list of our teaching tapes. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.